It's seven o'clock on the dot. I'm in my drop top cruising the streets. I got a real pretty, pretty little thing that's waiting on me. I pulled up anticipating good love. Don't keep me waiting. I got plans to put my hands in places I've never seen. Girl, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you did great, man. That's awesome. That's one of the I best sure ones. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Aaron. Honestly, everybody that's listening, they totally appreciate when a guest kind of gets out of their zone and just does it, just drop it. And I love that guest do it. So thank you very much for doing that, for opening the show that way. When you email me and you're like, oh, by the way, by the way, just, yeah, by the way, I was like, why the fuck did I agree to this? <laughs> nah, you agreed to it. So now we just broke the ice and and, and yeah, so glad that. to e-meet you or web meet you or what have yeah. you. You're out of West. You're in Vancouver, right? I'm in Vancouver. Yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah. So it's been a while since I've been out there, but we've interviewed a few people from out West and all over Canada and all over the world as well, too. Actually, we just had someone recently from Bali as well, which Bali's going to come up in our conversation. Uh, Nikki, Nikki Collin, and, and he's great. He does a lot of breath work and mental health and anxiety and stuff like that out there in Bali. So no, I just, uh, I want to welcome you to the show. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. You're a busy, busy guy. So you got a lot going on. So I totally appreciate your time that you're going to be on the show and we'll try to get to as much as we possibly can. Um, and, and you've got such a fascinating story like a really fascinating story with complete like huge positive things that are going on and i always tell everybody that's listening you can't have enough of this you can have enough of this positive happiness like finding certain just things in life just being back to like what you're doing in my opinion and we'll get into it just being a, a human being you know what I mean? Cool. Just like honestly, cool. just being true to what we really are and who we are. So, I mean, we're going to talk a lot of stuff that you've you've been through and what you're doing currently. And, and you're you're all over the place, life coaching and charities and just uh, just helping people over and over. And it's not just helping people online. It's helping people from all over the world. And you're literally going to these places and speaking to these people in person and, and meeting them. So it's like amazing just lots of respect here and just honestly man so i just i want to share everybody so aaron bahi's here from ink pray love you can find him on the website which is his name is aaron bahi and spelled b-a-h-i-a.com on the website you'll see all the links there but definitely go to his ig uh which is ink underscore pray underscore love and then uh you get to his youtube channel as well which you've you've got your own podcast you're interviewing some amazing people and some of the information that they're sharing is absolutely mind-blowing which is great to hear and to see it so uh and now you're on our show you're on tc you're going to talk to a lot of contractors and tradespeople and homeowners and uh this has been working for us really well because we 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 recently discovered that there's more to just swinging the hammer there's like the person who's swinging the hammer and there's a lot going on in that person's life and so that's why we've been active about reaching out to people like you about getting on the show so that's my spiel i just want to do one more shout out Someone forced me to wear a polo shirt today. Man, he's not really a polo shirt guy, but I'm wearing iGuides polo shirt. So I want to thank you and not thank you for putting me in a polo shirt because I'm not a polo shirt guy. <laughs> I don't golf. I don't do any of that stuff, but I am wearing the iGuide polo shirt. Okay, so that's All it. Right. That's it. Now, Aaron, over to you. Where do you want to begin this show? Well, firstly, like a big shout out to the people in trades. Like I, I did a few different trades on my weird, wild journey. And I remember my first trade I did, I was, did commercial roofing at oh, that's 16 fun. years old, but I was the guy who carried the hot tar up the ladders and burning my hands. And it was a crazy time. And that's what I really realized. I was like, 
this is this is hard this is what hard work really is yeah. and I, I was a chubby teenager in east vancouver rough area my school is very well known for violence and drug trade you know getting recruited into street gangs it was a rough like a rough school and um i was a chubby kid and i was getting bullied a lot and then i went through this growth spurt and lost 20 pounds during one summer of commercial industrial like roofing and i came back and i was like okay <laughs> i could i could finally get girls and that was like a cool thing and <laughs> it was a big shift and I, I remember working like 15 hour days like two weeks in a row and my paycheck came around and this is you know 2005 or 2004 or something like that and my paycheck was like 512 dollars and i was like that's a lot of money for like a those fat, are big kid. numbers yeah that's a big yeah but, number. <laughs> I know. And, you're like, and i remember that was the first time i was like taxes suck it was like the first time I, was, I don't like this tax. As thing. soon what as you, you make it, you understand how it's taken from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was the beginning of it, right? And I, I really didn't like that. And so a lot of my friends were, you know, getting involved in the drug trade. I got I got sucked into it at a young age because I was like, taxes suck. And I didn't know any better at that age, you know, what validation and and power and ego. Um, I didn't I didn't know any better how to be, uh, you know, true to myself. So I got I got sucked into the drug trade, and um, it was it was crazy and fun, but also you know just it was eating at me. I wasn't doing the right things, and so I was in and out, in and out. Because then I went to I did my first year plumbing, uh, and I was trying to come up plumber so I could become a firefighter and that was going to be like my first go a 12 hour drinking and driving suspension for being hung over because I was 18 years old and and they stopped me in the morning for speeding and I had a uh, I, I smelled like alcohol but I, I went to a party the night before I was just going to work the next morning and the the officer was like well you you blew 0. 0.001 so I was like <laughs> but I but at just, 18 okay you you're, you're you know that's that's illegal so he he suspended my license and I couldn't be a firefighter anymore and I remember like crying to this police officer like please like i can't be a firefighter if you give me this you know he's like well you should have thought of that before you drank and drive i'm like i drank last night he's like doesn't matter and so i remember being heartbroken and then i was like back into the drug trade it was like fuck the police like it was really yeah uh, yeah i that age right and obviously I, I i didn't handle that very well but then i was like okay maybe not not dealing drugs maybe electrical and so i did my first year electrical and uh got into that for a little while and then again the money wasn't there. I was impatient. You know, I was young, you know, I was you know, probably making 15, 16 bucks an hour, whereas selling pot, I was making more. I made some Toronto connections and that's why I was coming out to Toronto and sending, sending weed from Vancouver to Toronto. And that was starting to scale well. And I was like seeing more money than I had ever seen as a, you know, little yeah. bratty kid. Yeah. And then I started buying condos and renovating them with my own hands and selling them. And that's where I was like, cool trades were building stuff with my own hands. It was always the most gratifying thing. Cause I'd get to see a finished product and be like, I built that. Like I did that. I got to pick out the tiles. I got to, you know, pick, pick out the color scheme and then build it. And that was what I really loved about trades and it's just honest work. And as I got deeper and deeper into the, into the dope game and made, you know, nationwide connections and things were scaling, it really was eating at me. This wasn't what I wanted to do. I wasn't doing something positive. I wasn't living out my full potential. I was dealing with, you know, intense people. And, you know, by the time Mexicans came into the picture and now in Cabo meeting cartel members, I was like, this is fucked. I didn't, this is I didn't getting want to a little risky now. Yeah, yeah. I like my head on my shoulders. I don't, I don't want, I don't want <laughs> that not to be the case. Can I ask you, Aaron, like, okay, was it when you were dealing with, I guess, just illegal activities, 
was it just primarily the monetary? Was it just yeah. the money? Yeah, it was just that, right? Like you saw the opportunity there. It, but was it also maybe just were there some decent people in there or not? Oh yeah, I I I had really good business ethics and yeah, good that's where I was going with it. Yeah. yeah, I would never I never stole from anyone, and that's why I still kept my head on my shoulders. And you know, it just it was always important for me to have good customer service because yeah. I was just like I'd always make things right, and that's why people loved working with me and would trust me with a lot because I would always just make sure I'd make things right and not mess around. And that's why that, that the, learning that there helped me in business so much more like in the rest of life. I learned key things from the dope game uh, of like, stand by your word, uh, you know, follow up, make sure things are, are, are proper, make the connection, you know, bridge a connection, nurture the connection. Like that was really important for me. And I learned it, you know, how to connect and build trust um, in a high pressure situation, as well as my intuition on people really grew there where I had to know really quickly if I trust someone or not. And that was, there was brilliant life skills. And I think so many people, especially a lot of my friends in trades dabbled, you know, and then they, then they, yeah. then you make honest money and you're like, well, you know, I, I can't judge anybody who's been in it or been out or in it right now. All I could say is in my, my personal experience was like, getting out and doing something that made me proud and made my parents proud was worth more than just that, that, that all that cash coming in. Um, and then eventually I got good at doing all these other things and launching businesses and tattoo shops and moving to Bali. It, it, it turned out to be obviously a huge net positive, but it did, it had to crash and burn before then, you know, I had to absolutely hit some serious rock bottoms. I was doing tons of opiate painkillers re recreationally, but also I was killing pain of not, doing something I was proud of, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with what I was doing. And I didn't know then that if you're just not in the right position or you're just not happy with your life, you're going to find ways to numb that out, you know, yeah. and find ways to, to really just try to make it okay. So you don't think about not doing what you're not doing. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that's where I got into this cycle of addiction. And I went really deep into that. Um, and then saved my own life after doing a plant medicine ceremony and and this iboga was what i did ibogaine i've yeah. never heard of it no 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 oh man it's like the african plant ayahuasca it's like the african ayahuasca but ayahuasca is kind of like your grandmother you know telling you how the universe works this is like your stern father telling you how much of a fuck up you are over and oh. over again it's super intense but yeah. it's scary like i was like oh it's not easier than withdrawals but it helped me uh see that i was accountable for my actions and that it wasn't my neighborhood's fault it wasn't my dad's fault it wasn't anybody else's fault but mine for making these choices and that accountability within myself obviously hurts when you first hear it your ego gets popped but I needed that to make a change. And so those rock bottom moments of like, well, you did this. <laughs> That's like, those are the come to God moments you need to, to shift, right? I needed it. So as I was shivering and um, finishing this plant medicine ceremony and, you know, they're like, they would do the, you take the medicine at night. So all day you'd sit around, they're like, well, you can watch movies, but they have to be positive movies. And after I got through all the positive happiness documentaries, the last positive thing I could watch was, um, it was what changed my life massively. It was eat, pray, love. And that's why my Instagram's ink, pray, love. Cause I saw eat, pray, love. I saw her in the Bali scene with the ceremony and the prayers and the offerings. And I was like, oh my God, whatever that is, I need it. And I ended up, I booked a flight. I ended up in Bali on my 25th, 25th birthday alone, diamond drug dealer earrings, Louis Vuitton shirt, cheesy as fuck, you know, man purse, all the full shebang. And I rocked up to this place, Yoga Barn, you know, in Ubud, Bali, the spiritual capital of, of this, of the island, the yoga capital. And it was like, okay, let's, let's try yoga. 
And I was kickboxing a lot, you know, for six years, I was teaching kickboxing. I got my black belt and that was a big part of my life. And then now I was like, well, let's try yoga. Let's try something a bit different. And I learned that actually this hard world I was living before of, you know, toxic masculinity and just trying to be the king of the jungle, actually softening was the biggest strength that I ever learned was, okay, can I, can I be in a different space and act differently? And it showed me that there was a whole different world for me available there. And I liked myself so much better when I didn't have to be this facade of who I was in my, in my hometown. And it was so liberating. And that's why Ink Pray Love is my Instagram, because that was a pivotal moment that changed my life. Were you on your own? Like, was it just you or were there other forces, other people that are around you that were dropping? Your life's going down a really wrong path here, man. Like something's going on here. You need to like, did you have anybody in your life kind of just paying attention? Um, That was one thing is like, I really realized no one's going to come and save me. And no one was, I was always the one who took care of everybody. You know, I was always the one that kind of like uh, brought people together, led the pack, that kind of stuff. And so no one was really like, Hey man, you should smarten up. They're just like, he has it. Even I was a very functioning addict. Right. So I was still running a network. I was still, you know, like doing well financially, but you know, spiritually and my health you know i was just not doing good and when i look at those old photos i didn't look that great i had you know bad acne i was just sunken eyes i was down to 163 pounds at my lowest where i walk around now at 205 so wow. like, no that's a huge difference that's a big difference right? how old were you so, at that time aaron like how like what was the age group that you're i started in the drug trade at like 17 18 and i got out uh 25 26 26 wow. i remember uh, it was a couple year transition when i knew i wanted to get out but it was not easy you know it took it's a big part of my identity at that time and there was a lot of money and power and and uh validation tied to that and i was like well who am i going to be without this does but the past that, ever rear its head um i mean only in the sense that now i'm back in vancouver and it was triggering to be back and it's it's you know you're back in the, the beast and it's a expensive city and so many people are dabbling in it that are around me and it's just like well i had to really see that and and what really helped was getting space from it and getting enough time and energy building myself up as a new human to know that like i would never want to go back and like i i came back to vancouver and there's there's opportunities you know i could connect people i still have friends that are in it and i just was really needing to draw the line of like well what i love doing now is not that so do what you love doing and, you know, that was a big thing for me was it's not about the money. I, I did enough things for that were just for money to realize that it's not worth it. And doing something that you're you're happy and love doing and that helps people. That that was the big light switch moment for me was I started really wanting to devote my life to service when I got out of the game and got clean. And that was working. Like that was the first time I actually felt good about what I was doing. And I was like, oh, okay being a good human's nice. Like actually like, yeah. and I didn't know how I was like, I gotta do good human things. And just was like, well, what does a good human do? And I was like, well, he's kind to people. Um, he's going to commit to charity work. You know, he's going to bring people together. He's going to be helpful, useful. And I literally listed it out and re-engineered my life by making a plan out of this and literally going, okay, what's my end goal here? I'm like, uh, I want to be a successful Bali businessman. I wanted to own like a chain of hotels. That's what I was thinking was going to happen. So I ended up with an Airbnb bed and breakfast. That was my first business. I cashed out, sold my condos in Vancouver, uh, leased this big villa and I was subletting the rooms 
And within about three months, I realized I don't really care about beds or breakfasts. <laughs> this isn't as uh, cool as I thought it was going to be. You know, it was like this you know, is when like you first people. got to Bali and you were you were entering the yoga barn. Like you were actually, this is what you were working on, thinking about. Well, actually, when I first got to Yoga Barn, I did a yoga teacher training, totally failed it. I was still partying. I, I was, you know, still difficult to get, you know, I just, there wasn't opiates around. So that was great, but I still was still a very, very, you know, um, unstable. And yeah. so I did two months there and realized, great, I could be someone else. But then I still had to go back to Vancouver and get out of the game and sell all my stuff. And so that was six months to a year, about six months. It took me to go back home after that first Bali trip. And that was the hardest six months of my life. Things were really intense getting out. And that's where it's like, if the universe, you know, you're telling the universe, I'm going to change, I'm going to do something else. The universe will test you. It will, you'll meet resistance. And it's like, well, how bad do you really want it? And it's going to showcase how bad you really want it. And you have to want it more than the resistance. And so I had to overcome so many challenges, like friends getting kidnapped and shot or me going deeper into addiction and, you know, uh, getting robbed and all sorts of things that were really intense and and harrowing and, and, you know, problems with the development business. And it was just like, I'm still committing to getting out. I'm still committing to getting out. I'm going to do it. And when I actually did it and then moved back to Bali and did the second yoga teacher training to, to show up to this teacher, like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to actually try this time. And I remember driving, you know, in the morning with the rice in the rice patties, the sun coming up, going to the gym and listening to red hot chili peppers under the bridge and having this moment with the sunrise, like, okay, you did it. Like you actually, you actually made it out like good job. And that was the first moment I actually felt like this pure joy, like, wow, you, you risked it on yourself and you showed up for yourself and you did the thing. Um, That was a moment that actually felt actual pride. Um, and that felt really good. You know, when I forgot my first Mercedes, when I was, you know, 23 or something, I, was, I felt like false pride, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm a big shot. Purchased, but it's purchased. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Know. It's not real. And, and it could be taken away at a moment's glance. Right. And you're always, you're always stressing about it. I mean, yeah. I, I want to, I've got a, a bunch of questions and just talking points that I want to bring up Aaron. And I just, I want first people, people to understand. I almost want to get to the end of the movie before we get to the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. start of the movie. I want you mm-hmm. to share with people all the charities that you're working with and what you're doing around the world and, and what you offer and what you're planning. I want them to know that. So we could just plant those right yeah, now yeah. in the show and get them done. And then I want to get into other things that I want to talk about with you. So if you could share those, yeah, that'd be probably. amazing. Um, since since I got out, I launched eight businesses in eight years. Um, the first one was actually just I was leading into that was the bed and breakfast wasn't very fun, but I made friends with a local Balinese tattoo family and we got really close. So we started tattooing out of the dining room of the bed and breakfast yeah. and we rebranded as Airbnb bed and breakfast tattoo shop. And that started making way more money than the bed and breakfast. And I realized the tattoo business is fun. People are happy to come see you. They're happy to get their tattoos and then they leave stoked. It's not like you're the dentist or something. They're just like, they love it. And so I really saw that was a better go. So I started going into meditation retreats. And my first one, I had the idea to open up my own first tattoo shop. I had the connections, like I had the artists, I could do the marketing. It was like, oh, that was a big, good idea. But I only got that idea after I forgave a lot of people who really, really fucked me over in the dope game. And and it was, it was, it was weighing on me, but I went through a forgiveness meditation. And as I gave room uh, in my, in, just in my, in my energy, my aura, everything around me to, to forgive people. There was a room for creativity and opportunities that was on the other end. And that's when things like skyrocketed where I was like my first shop, 
was the instantly the most successful shop in the in the city. Um, it, it was we funded a school for mentally disabled Balinese children that we still do today, and that was the first charity work. I realized in that meditation retreat, meditating on compassion. It was a introduction to Buddhism retreat in the Himalayas in India. And I really realized if I was able to do business again, but there was a karmic impact to it, that it wasn't just about making money, but there was something outside of that. I was like, that's going to be, that's going to be fulfilling. Like that's going to work. Yeah. That's going to feel good. So I found this school for mentally disabled Balinese kids. And as soon as I walked in, it was a yes. My intuition was like, this place is a yes. These kids need your help. And this is a yes. And as we partnered with them, and uh, the world found out about it or the, you know, our customers found out about it. They're like, why wouldn't we support the one that helps these kids rather than the one that doesn't? So it was people want to help people, but they're just lazy. Like they don't know exactly how. Right. So if you have a business and you're doing some good, people will choose you over the other people so they can help do good. Um, and that really clicked for me. So after the first tattoo shop, I opened my second one, Karma House, and we help um, women that are at at like that have been affected by human trafficking um, that we've been doing, helping kids get their first uh, uh, beds to sleep on. And so karma house was really rooted in and still is rooted in charity work. And from then we opened up Yogi lab. It's an online personal development company that helps people meditate for free every month. Um, how about a hundred thousand people come together every month to meditate. Um, so that's a free course coming out on Yogi lab. And then it went into having my coaching practice and that was really fun because I was able to help people start businesses or like shift um, and become brands in themselves and help people or, you know, scale up their businesses, brand development, brand launching, but also help people have spiritual practices so they can be a centered entrepreneur because these practices help me become, go from like a crazy drug addicted drug dealer to being able to launch businesses and be happy and stable while you're doing it. So they, they really changed my life and I'm able to implement those in people's lives while we help with their branding and goal setting and practical so it's like spiritual and practical and that's been actually what i love doing now that's my favorite thing now um and then i have a content creation studio in bali and then i came to vancouver after my, i had a really bad motorcycle accident while i was in bali i broke both my legs my pelvis my elbow my achilles my bladder i was in a wheelchair for three and a half months i was on two crutches for Ouch. eight months I was handicapped for more than a year. At that point, that list is like, what didn't you break? That's right? shorter, right? <laughs> oh, bad. It was man. crazy. It, it, it's, I'm glad it happened, but I'd never want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. But because it really showed me uh, what's important in life. And it really showed me, you know, uh, how lucky we are to be alive and how actually those years spent rebuilding my life and actually being of service and building community around me how many people actually loved me for me and showed up to come and help me when I was handicapped and took care of me. And, you know, like my friends had to pull me off a toilet to put me back in my wheelchair. My friends had to pick me up and put me in bed. I was a, I was like super handicapped yeah, for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was crazy uh, just to feel for your ego. <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm supposed to be a boss and now I'm a baby. You know, I remember. Uh, and the, the great thing about all that was I maintained a sense of humor through it all because it was cosmically funny. Like there's so many just funny moments in it. And I just remember, like, I remember when I had to be, I had to get uh, the nurses when I was first in the accident to change my diaper. Like I, I had broke my pelvis, so I couldn't move. Right. And so that wasn't a fun experience to, you know, have to use the, the toilet <laughs> per se. And I just remember being changed by a group of nurses and just laughing. Like, <laughs> this is my life right now. Like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, like, that's pretty funny. And like so many funny moments of that, like, I get it. I get the lesson I was supposed to learn out of this. I understand. And I think, you know, if anybody's going through some hard times listening, if you're able to see what the higher lesson is out of it and you're able to find the humor in it, 
it makes the whole situation better. It really helps you to, to, to take it, take a look out of it from being a victim mindset and going into, okay, why did this happen? What can I take out of it to level me up? And where are there some funny things that I can still have a sense of humor about this? Cause you know, people would come visit me. I wasn't going to just be sitting there bitching about it. I was making them laugh. And that was, that was way easier for me. I know humor is like one of my coping mechanisms. Right. But that was, that was a way to make it easier. Is it fair to say, Aaron, that, um, I mean, I, I, I've been down paths, you've been down paths and a lot of people go down a lot of stuff and it just feels like all this negative, all this hard things that happen in our lives, they almost seem like there's never an ending to it. It just seems yeah. like it's a constant. You wake up in the morning, it's there. You go to sleep, it's there. And I know, and I love that you you have a coping mechanism where it's about the humor and I would be doing the exact same thing. It's just, you got you can't nothing but laugh about it. Like you have to laugh about it. Like this is like, I remember, you know, you're a bigger boy when you're younger and you could do so much and you could pull. The day that you realize that you're bigger than your dad, physically mm -hmm. and mentally, you're bigger than the person who raised you, right? Yeah. And, it's a, and all of a sudden you got to realize that you're not that big anymore. You know what I mean? You, you're all, we're all exactly the same, but I mean, were there times that you either looked internally and thought to yourself that this is really hard? Like this is really, oh, yeah. really extremely hard. And I don't know if I can get to that point where I'm past this. Man, there was so many like heartbreaking setbacks in that handicap stage. Like I remember, so they didn't have the right uh, piece of equipment to put in my, I broke my tibia, the weight bearing bone in my right shin. And they, they're supposed to put a nail down the middle of your tibia. So it'll support it, but they didn't have my size because I'm too big. I'm bigger than most Indonesian people. Right. Yeah. So this happened in Bali, not the place you want to get surgeries. Do not, <laughs> do not get surgeries in the third world country. But, um, so they put a, they put a pin on the outside and, and screwed it to my tibia, but it wasn't strong enough. So it snapped when I started practicing walking again, about four months in. And that's when they're like, oh, it'll be eight more months that you'll be, you know, it's going to be eight more months till you can walk again. And so to hear eight more months and maybe your right leg will be a little shorter than your left leg. And it's like, to hear that you're like, no, wow. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. So it was, it was so intense to hear that. And I just remember as the doctor left the hospital room and I was by myself and I just needed to have a moment. Like I just needed to like, ah, like really have a moment, you know? And this is where I learned with some of my spiritual teachers. They're like, yeah, if you're going to be mad, be good at being mad. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a cry, have a good cry. If you're gonna have a little freak out, a little meltdown, have a good one. Just really, really go. go for it. Yeah. Feel your fucking feelings. Like really feel them. And then get your shit together, you know, and follow, make a plan and follow it. Like that's it. Like let it go after that moment. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna be resentful, you're gonna be mad, you're gonna be this, do it, do it once well. And then, okay. Now act, like choose action, choose, choose a path and choose a direction that's going to be on your path to healing. So I had to do that multiple times that were there's some setbacks where I was like, man, this is really hard. And I'm supposed to be this like life coach, business coach, you know, uh, all this spiritual practices, but I'm, I'm a baby right now. And, you know, it's hard. And so I had a couple days like that. And then I just needed to know, okay, it was, it's going to be like a two year recovery, you know, and I'm just, just completing that two years. I'm still, I'm still obviously going to be banged up a bit, walk a little funny, but I'm, I just was squatting right now in the gym before this. So I'm, I made a good recovery. Thank God. Um, 
but I, but I'll still be a bit handicapped. And so the thing was like, I needed to not look at when's the next time I'll be able to be boxing again I, at that stage while I'm in this wheelchair, I needed to be, okay, when am I going to be able to take a shower alone? That was like the, that was my goal. So making micro goals, when you have a big goal, that seems like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. It's like, don't worry about it. When can you do the smallest next step that you can celebrate? Yeah. And that changed my life. It really was important because all to, to walk anywhere, if you're going to, you know, walk to go get you a glass of water, you're going to take some steps, but you have to start with that first step. So focus on that first step and do it well. And don't worry about that full journey. It's like, just do the smallest thing and do it well. And that, that was a big shift for me. Um, and that helped that whole thing be a bit easier. So, I mean, Aaron, you, you've spoken to all kinds of people, young and old. And I guess I want to just ask you like a direct question of what, what are we really want in life? Like, what, what, is it really that, what is it that you hear from? Because as a child, it's a different idea of what they want. From an elderly mm-hmm. person, it's a different idea. And I get the sense that from people from North America and people from Europe and people from South America, it's like we have different ideas of what we really want in life. But what is the, the, the core thing that we really want in life? Since 1991, Mississauga Hardware Center's MHCI, or Saga Tools as the cool kids call it, has been a trusted name in the construction supply industry. Serving the greater Toronto area as a family-founded, owned, and operated company, they take pride in their reputation as one of the most respected construction supply providers in the GTA. At MHCI, they stand out for their commitment to fast and efficient service. Their team of friendly, courteous, and knowledgeable staff is available to assist you with any questions you may have. They understand the importance of product knowledge and strive to provide an unsurpassed level of expertise to their valued customers. They take pride in their ability to purchase large volumes of products directly from manufacturers worldwide. This enables them to pass on substantial savings to their customers. Whether you're embarking on a do-it-yourself project, constructing a multi-million dollar building, or involved in city infrastructure development, their products and prices remain highly competitive within the industry. Order online at www.mississaugahardware.com or better yet, go and visit them in person and always check out what's happening on their social at Mississauga Hardware center with c-e-n-t-r-e i mean i think we want love i think we want i think we want to be seen heard i think we want to be loved i think we want to love other people and i think we want to be loved for who we are and like really be somebody that that we want to be with our good bad and ugly all the all the, the, the us in totality you know can can somebody love us for all of us and can our friends love us for all of us can we be really us and not this mask. And I was wearing that mask in the drug trade. Even when I first went into the spiritual practices, there was a spiritual mask. And and I, I, I did the mask. I did the beard and the mala beads and all that shit. And then I came back to me, you know, a, a, a mix of all of the things where I'm like, I can be, I can be all these things. Will someone love me for this? Like the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think that's what we really want. And I think truly in us, we want to make an impact. Like we want to contribute to the tribe we're tribal people, right? We, we want status in the tribe. We want to be, know our place in the tribe. Um, we want to be useful to the tribe. Um, and we want to have a family. Like we want people around us that, 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 that we love and that care about us. So those are like the things that actually I learned made a complete life was, are you useful? You know, like, are you useful and do people love you? And that's what I really needed to ground down on. Cause you know, my previous lifestyle, I don't think, I, I mean, I was good at what I did, but I don't think I was loved for the right reasons. You know, it was, it was a facade. It was because I had nice shit, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't because I was able to make an impact positively in people's lives um, where they're around me and they feel lit up. 
And that's, that's important. Is it really hard to see? Like, I, I know a lot of people, especially in today's digital age, they just get so comfortable. They're just stuck in their comfort zone and their, their circle of comfort zone kind of thing. And, and it's just, is it because that we want to get to the end? It's about accomplishing certain things that, sure, beginning, middle, and end. I want to get to the end. But they don't realize that the end might take years, decades. It could take your entire lifetime. It might take you a while before you even get to what your true purpose is all about. So do you see it as like people are just, they're too impatient that they just need to get this right away? Oh man, I was one of those guys. Of course, we I all are. It. We are, yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know, I wanted it all right away. Now I didn't want a journey. I, I wanted the destination here, and I really realized uh, that wasn't the right way to live. We're never going to be at the end of the journey until we we die, and then who knows what happens. But yeah. what helped me shift that perspective was: what do you want to feel? Um, what do you want to feel in your life? Because it's always going to be shifting and interchanging. And, you know, uh, I didn't expect me to own a bunch of tattoo shops or all this other stuff. Like, I didn't think this was going to be the journey. But I meditated with this psychic, actually, when I first got out uh, and I was in Bali and there's a bunch of hippie shit all around me and it was very useful. And she grounded down, what are your top core guiding principles in life? You know, what are your values that you want? And mine were connection, compassion, and inspiration. I want to live in those three values. I want to be able to be a connector and connect with people. Um, I want to live in a compassionate state where I'm doing some good. I'm helping people. And I want to live in inspiration. I'm able to teach what I've learned because obviously I'm meant to live a crazy life and then help people. Um, And so those three guiding principles is what I want to feel when I'm choosing any new project or new path or relationship, whatever it is. Those are the things that I need to feel um, before I do something rather than this being the thing, the thing is a variable, but what you want to feel, that's the constant that you want in your life. And that helped the whole destination journey thing, have a little bit less pressure. And I needed to make sure I was feeling those guiding principles in my life. So those are different for everybody, you know, but often there's going to be something in the aspect of you want to be connection, connected to people and you want love, you know, like you want those things. And then what else, what else means something to you? Right. Um, That's what helped in that situation. So in the early days, being in the drug, it was always about money. It was just about what the purchasing of, uh, of basically what you wanted, right? But nowadays, when you're looking at your businesses and you're looking at trying to expand and try something new and do something different, it's probably the furthest thing from your mind. It's not really about money at this point. I mean, of course it has to make money. Like, of yeah. course, yeah. It's a, it's a byproduct though right now, isn't yeah. it? Versus yeah. then, it was the only product. Exactly. Exactly. Now it has to make me happy. Like, would I do it for free? You know, is it something that I enjoy doing? Um, and I feel useful and I'm seeing and I'm really enjoying the impact it's making in people's lives. So actually now where I'm at is I'm I'm selling one of my, my that first tattoo shop. I'm selling, I'm getting rid of a bunch of my businesses. I don't want so many brick and mortars anymore. And they're good. It's just, I want my attention focused on coaching, speaking, getting my book out there, growing my podcast. Like I, I like doing this. This is fun. I get to be creative. Yeah. Um, I get to connect and meet new people like this. Uh, I get to really serve and help people like I want to focus on this for a while at this stage in my life. And so it's shifted because I really realized, well, the tattoo shops were great. Um, they got me to this stage and they helped, they helped me learn a lot about business and life and, and growth. And they provided financial stability. Um, but now I want to feel these things and I want it to feel it in this way. So I was, I'm pivoting to mainly do this now. Um, and so that, that decision was right there because when I got back to Vancouver, so I moved back here uh, last year after seven years away, 
after my accident, healthcare in Vancouver is great. Thank God that's where our taxes go now. I understand. <laughs> and so like, you know, I, I don't mind paying taxes now because they, you know, they caught a bone infection in my leg and they actually put that right nail down my tibia when I first got back here. So I was like, oh, wow. thank you. Okay. Thank you. Healthcare. Um, grateful. Right. And when I came back here, I opened a tattoo barber salon in, in, in commercial drive. And I then opened a uh, luxury car rental business with a few of my friends and the luxury car rental business, it didn't exactly meet those those connect, those those three values. It was kind of just flashy fun shit. And within a few months, I really realized I'm like, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. And same with the the new project, my business partner and me didn't align. And I realized I'm like, dang, these aren't what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's hard once you see like what you're supposed to be doing, you really don't feel good when you're out of alignment. You know, like once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's the difficult thing about you can just live in a, you know, in the cloud if you want for a while, but then you're drinking too much or, you know, I was, you know, you're just, you're masking and, and numbing. So once I saw these two projects, they weren't really aligned. They, they, I I exited them and, and that's what I'm dealing with right now because it just wasn't what I really see is my highest vision. And so I had to make those decisions. I had to, I had to cut, two business I built and just get them out. I mean, that's great that you did that. It makes a lot of sense because you have a bigger path. No. So it's like, but everybody is, that's where I, I go to. Are, are we as people, as human beings, are we getting worse or better? <laughs> I mean, because everybody a, today uh, is driven, <laughs> is driven by money. It's just driven yeah. about lifestyle. It's just driven about what's really being portrayed on social media and what my life and what can I attract? And, what falseness can I attract? Right. So it's like, are, are we getting better or worse? I'm trying to figure it out, man. I don't think social media is doing us much favors. Because no, it's, it's like, not right. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have the fun, flashy cars and all that. And people see it differently and the status of it, but there's only so much that that external validation, you can soak it in. But then when you really write with yourself and you see it, you're like, this is fake and it's not, it's not really actually that contentment it's pleasure, but instead of contentment, pleasure is fleeting, um, but contentment is lasting and you can stand up on your own two feet and you feel, feel whole a bit more whole. Right. So that was really important process was, could I just be happy with, with, with externally, uh, internally and not be factoring in these external validations and these opinions of people that actually don't exactly matter to me. Like there's, you know, people often will just get the nice car to have a nicer car than their neighbors, you know? And so you don't really care what your neighbor thinks, like who cares? Or, you know, like that, that kind of thing. So it was worse in the West I found because there's so much more competition and in, and in, and, um, and on social media, there's so much competition with people around us. But the main thing is, are you happy when you're alone? You know, when you wake up in the morning, uh, when you go to bed at night and you're just you, like that's the main thing. Can you be happy there? Is that what's, that's a, that's the important part. Were you being criticized? Because I mean, you're, you're trying to set up a business, you're trying to do everything, but I guess everybody else around you is more about the bottom line, the dollars. And so were you being criticized for walking away from these opportunities, so to speak? It was hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was difficult. Luckily, my friends in the car business, they, they, I mean, I took a loss on both of them. So me walking away, I took a loss. I took a time and monetary loss on them. Um, definitely. So it wasn't easy. It was a difficult decision. This has been happening the last couple months and it's, it's been lawyers on one of the, on one of the end and then the other end just took a loss, clean break, still friends with those guys. It's all good. Uh, but it, it wasn't easy. It still isn't. And I just know I had to ground back into, I made the right decision because every time you like you, you cut something off and you make a, a decision, 
um, the universe responds to that. It's like, okay, you're planting your flag. You want to do this now? Here's these opportunities. Yeah. And so I just know that's that's what's going to come through is I set an intention. I want to be this guy. I want to do these things. And I'm having to say no to other things to say yes to this. And that that process, actually, I got to trust it. I just have to trust that's what's going to be the, the right call. And I do trust it. So I know, okay, I'll make it work, you know? So when you're talking to people, uh, Aaron, just... In today's climate, there's such harsh lines, right? And when I say harsh lines, I mean the haves and the have-nots. There's mm. such this clear definition of like we have an image of success versus other people that, and we know this about successful people that are very wealthy or what have you, and they may have an image of success, but they're not internally happy. And it seems oh, yeah. you found that, right? And, and you went down your own path, and everybody should go down their own path to do that. But how do you kind of explain that to people that, don't have it that the haves are not necessarily better than you they might be but we're not exactly sure and it's that whole mindset of like you just said the neighbor i have to have it so then i have to show up the joneses and i got to do this and i got to compete and do you really have to like i don't mm. think you need to right we forget that people are just people like the pedestal that we see them on and especially on social media, they're just people and they're putting out their best self yes. on social media. They're not, they're not putting out their daddy issues or their mommy issues. They're not putting out their, you know, deep rooted insecurities. They're not putting out their credit card balance. You know, they're not putting out all these things that you don't factor in that all of us have our shit. Like all of us have our shit. Everybody does. They have their, their, their wounds. They have their toxic patterns. They have whatever. Everybody's has some sort of that. And usually what I've found in dealing with a lot of influencers and influential people, um, the, the more perfect someone seems, the bigger the shadow is within them. And if they're honest about their shadow, then okay, they're going to be a bit more real. So I like, you know, I, I try to openly talk about when I'm, when I'm going through some shit, and where I fucked up like that. That's important. Uh, and I think the more people do that, uh, the better. It's more of a strength, but we're, we're afraid to, right? We don't want to be judged. We don't want people to see burst our ego bubble. Um, and I really learned that a lot during the accident because, you know, I was trying to be this, you know, Mr. Bali businessman, coach, blah, 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 blah. And then now I'm handicapped and I need to handle this at my best um, because the whole world was, not the whole world, but, you know, my following was watching. Uh, so I know... I wanted to handle it in a way that would make me proud uh, that when I look back on it, that was a big factor for me, like make yourself proud and how you handle this difficult situation. And that helped me get through a lot of things where I wasn't sure how to act. And then the other end of it was also be real about it. And when I talk about, man, this sucks, people were like, yeah, like good. Like in the sense that like, thank you for being real and vulnerable. And they really appreciated that aspect of it, that I wasn't bitching about the situation but I was handling it well. And I'm like, and this sucks, everybody. <laughs> They'd be like, okay, you're, you're being real about the situation is helpful. Um, so, so then other people can feel um, the ability to be vulnerable as well. And I think that's quite important, especially as men, because we don't often, you know, want to showcase our emotions, no, especially the negative never. ones and the weaknesses. Yeah. They don't want that. But I believe if we're able to talk about our emotions skillfully, that, hey, I'm dealing with this right now. It's difficult, but here's my plan to get out of it. I'm actually doing some stuff. This is what I did. This is what I tried. This is what's working. I'm regulating my emotions. I'm, you know, getting some therapy or I'm doing, you know, different modalities that are healing in this space. Then people are like, respect, like, well done. Like, hey, you actually got some help. Well done. People respected me more for getting help than, than not. You know, they're like, when you can actually ask for help, which was really hard. That was difficult to actually be vulnerable. Like, hey, I need help now. Uh, that was a tough pill to swallow, honestly. 
but the whole process taught me as, as I was asking for help, it let people in and and they wanted to be close that way. So that was, that was actually cool. So it's like really about getting that door open and just letting everybody know that you are not a perfect human because there's no such yeah. thing as a perfect human. It doesn't exist and never will. And, yeah. um, and so it's just as, as long as you get that vulnerability, then you open yeah. it up. Right. But I, I'd love for you to share a little bit about, how important the pain is in life because a lot of the times that when we're going through pain you choose it pick it get on the grocery list and decide what pain you want in your life <laughs> and and they nobody understands when it's happening and the reasons behind it but mm -hmm. the importance of that pain there's something more to it right you've yeah. seen this right yeah yeah pain's a brilliant teacher it's the best teacher in my life pain has been the absolute best teacher it sucks because it seems like i gotta let, learn the lessons the hard way but they were the the most pivotal moment, moments for me and what i've learned about dealing with a lot of pain and same with tattoos like i have most of my body tattooed um i mean that's not licked on by kittens and so <laughs> <laughs> you know, get get these tattoos parts that, that, that suck right yeah. and i learned from that as well and it's like you know how you do one thing is how you do everything if you lean into the pain uh, and you relax into it and you accept it and you get curious about it uh, uh, you shift your you shift your relationship to it it changes and that's just like tattoos so you feel the pain you breathe into it you, you just relax as much as you possibly can while you're feeling that it makes it better than tensing up mm -hmm. like it's way worse if you tense up right mm -hmm. um so this was like that with all the mental and emotional pain from my accident you know it was like I didn't, okay, I didn't know how to skillfully deal with pain when I was, you know, getting out of the drug trade or in the drug trade. Uh, I didn't have a good relationship to myself. But when I got out and I started really realizing that if we're able to lean into discomfort uh, during the times it really sucks too, when it really hurts and you're able to lean into it and show up for yourself, um, pain can turn into power. And that's what's amazing is like when you're able to deal with trauma and pain and you deal with it skillfully, you gain a skill, like you gain power, you gain this experience, and then it makes you a wider, deeper, wiser human. And so I remember getting through the accident, coming back to Vancouver, and I just felt this buzz around me. I was like, whoa, like I, I just leveled up by with this situation and i was really great that's why i said i'm like i'm grateful it happened I, yeah. I gained something out of this experience really powerfully but i don't want to do it again <laughs> but but the, the whole <laughs> i thing, don't need to do it again <laughs> well, <thanks. laughs> no there's gonna be something i mean so why are we so afraid to for like why are we so afraid to change why are we 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 almost do everything possible we go through a whole gamut of, of emotions or uh, accidents or incidences and all of a sudden we like do everything to avoid that change and all yeah. we really got to do is just embrace that change right? i mean it's yeah. not the best thing that you need to do man we're just pleasure monkeys we just want, we just want good happy times and we realize you know we're, we're, we're we don't want the we have an aversion to discomfort and pain but when we're able to shift that and know that that's what your biggest growth is it's just like going to the gym and you're putting on some heavy weights it's not easy to lift that heavy weight but you know when you're when you're doing that you're getting stronger you got to do it you got to go through that that growth phase which is always uncomfortable right i mean that's how like lobsters molt into a bigger lobster they actually are like pressuring and growing bigger and i'm sure that doesn't feel good they gotta grow into a bigger you know so we gotta be better lobsters um and so like, the whole thing was around that was i that growth process is so important and you know it's been happening literally like i was talking about like exiting these businesses there's ego tied to that there's you know there's a loss i'm grieving it i'm like man I spent a year building these things and now I just no it's not right for me it didn't work out how i wanted it to i gotta i gotta grieve that but i know it was 
if I take this well, if I handle this in a way I'll be proud and I lean into the pain and discomfort, I know I'm going to get something out of it. Like something good's going to happen. And we got to like keep repeating that in our heads. You know, if you handle this painful thing, good, you handle it well, you're going to get something out of it. The universe will reward you with wisdom or opportunities and better health and you'll just do better. Um, and I think in, in people in working in trades as well, it's like, we don't have these conversations where we're like, it's okay to, 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 to feel no, your feelings. we're trying, we're trying to have these conversations is important. Yeah. I, I, that's great. Definitely. When I was working in trades, it was just like, have no a beer, way. shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Just take right? the pain and just shut up and do your job. But I mean, exactly. I, I really exactly. want to, when you were a kid, did you ever think you'd be a leader because now you're a leader and you're, you're basically guiding people down more positive paths. And this show has done the same thing for me. It's just like, this is like you talked earlier about how it's absolute pleasure just to speak to people, meet people, meeting you on the digital scape and all of a sudden talking to you now. And I've done this with so many other people, but also locally here in Toronto as well. And then you start realizing people start looking up to you and they start considering you a leader and you're like, I'm not a leader, but I mean, what is it that really makes anybody a leader and should they be a leader mm. i i think that what makes a person into a leader is if they're able to help other people grow like you don't need to have it all figured out you don't you don't no. need to be the perfect, perfect person to be a leader but are you an asset to other people's lives and helping them level up helping them grow are you able to bring people together to do a thing to to have a mission to to accomplish a goal you know and are you supportive in that like a good leader is able to help people rise and I think that's what the important thing is. And so where I got into the position I am in, and it was definitely going through my crazy shit and, and sharing it and helping people. And I, and I really realized, oh, that's actually really fulfilling. And then building businesses, cool, we have a goal. I'm able to be the one with the direction. Uh, we're going to do this thing. Who's coming with me? And that's a big part of us being men um, and, and leaders in general, whether you're a man or a woman, it's you decided where you're going. You've, you've made a decision on what you want in your life. I'm going to do this. And then who's coming with me? And that's a big part of us as men. Like, where are you going and who's coming with you is, is how we think. So get clear on where you're going first. And that gets be, means getting clear on who you are. Since 1991, Mississauga Hardware Center's MHCI, or Saga Tools as the cool kids call it, has been a trusted name in the construction supply industry. Serving the greater Toronto area as a family-founded, owned, and operated company, they take pride in their reputation as one of the most respected construction supply providers in the GTA. At MHCI, they stand out for their commitment to fast and efficient service. Their team of friendly, courteous, and knowledgeable staff is available to assist you with any questions you may have. They understand the importance of product knowledge and strive to provide an unsurpassed level of expertise to their valued customers. They take pride in their ability to purchase large volumes of products directly from manufacturers worldwide. This enables them to pass on substantial savings to their customers. Whether you're embarking on a do-it-yourself project, constructing a multi-million dollar building, or involved in city infrastructure development, their products and prices remain highly competitive within the industry. Order online at www.mississaugahardware.com or better yet, go and visit them in person and always check out what's happening on their social at Mississauga Hardware center with c-e-n-t-r-e when you were younger i'm sure that you probably looked at this and thought that if you did these these things that you're doing today you thought of them as being weak but it's ironic that what you thought as a youth was weak and you became mm -hmm. a man became your strength that weakness mm -hmm. opened up to strength that's exactly yeah. what happens right 
Definitely. You know, I think because we're so influenced by our surroundings, especially as kids in school and, you know, in the area I grew up in and all that, where it's like no one else really talks and things like that. It's, it's, you don't, you, we, as tribal people, we don't want to be different than the tribe. We're scared of that. So we're, we're yeah. scared of, you know, being outside of the norm of everybody around us. And when I realized it doesn't matter. And if you, the more you are you and you're, you're good at that, then people come and follow. They, they want that instead. Uh, I mean, I got my head tattooed. So it's like, yeah. I'm, definitely, I'm, I'm a weird commitment. guy. Right? Commitment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, I'm just really me. And I think then that, it's a good filter for people, you know, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but when people can see, especially, you know, people in trades and you can see them being articulate and you see them being intelligent, working on themselves, listening to podcasts like these, and you're not what people think you are, that's a big strength. And especially if you're more, if you're softer than people would expect, like that's a huge strength. I'd, I'd love for you to let everybody know, because I know you dive into this when you, when you get on your website, it's just like, when do we have to realize that we need a full reset? Mm, mm. Like at what point I, in your life? Because I, I, I find it, it's when you are literally doing the exact same thing morning, noon, and night. I think you need to reevaluate your life and start thinking about a full reset. Yeah. Especially if you're just not happy with what you're doing. Yeah. Like if you just... You're just like, this isn't sustainable. Uh, I'm not feeling fulfilled. And if it's unhealthy, especially if it's just, and especially if you're you're doing something, whether you're not, you know, in any toxic habits, like say drugs or alcohol, that you definitely need a full reset because it's really affecting your health mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all that. You're dampening yourself. But say if you're just doing something that isn't aligned to what you want to do, you're like, I could do more. Like I actually, I have more talent than just this thing. I I could do more than just this thing. And the more that you suppress that and you stay in that same position for years or months, longer than you should, that does affect you. It does affect the fire inside of you. And you don't want that fire to go out. You don't want to just like resign to it. You know, you, you want to live your potential out and at least give it a shot. And I think that's when the full reset comes in is like, well, at least, you know, and at least you gave it, you, you didn't leave anything on the plate. You know, you, at the end of your life, you really went for it. You ate everything you could, you know, you, you experienced everything you could. You really went for it. And that's what it was like for me leaving and put it in my full reset, you know, leaving Vancouver, leaving the dope game and starting businesses in Bali. And I was like, well, what if I fail? And it was, it was a do or die situation for me. So, you know, hopefully it's not like that for other people, but the, a rock bottom is a brilliant price brilliant place to start over so when you're going through it and it's just so bad you can't continue it's a massive opportunity the danger zone is it's golden handcuffs it's kind of good i'm getting paid all right but you know i i just i'm not happy those are the worst ones because you're gonna stay in that for way way longer um but then you got to look at it in this way of like an opportunity cost and it's like well what's the best case scenario if i really went for what i want to go for and mine was I'm going to be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, you know, hotel owner, chain of hotels globally, Learjets, all this shit. Like that was the big, the biggest, highest vision was the worst case scenario. And it was like, well, I would spend every cent I have. I would totally fail. I'd end up in my parents' basement and I would get a job, you know, do some yeah. labor job to start or whatever. And I was like, well, it's not the worst thing ever. I'll figure it out. Like I could just get a job and get by and then try something else. So I was like, well, when I look at those two things, I'm not going to die if, if I really go for it. Your worst case scenario is you would figure it out. So go for it. What, why not look at the big, the big, uh, what you have to gain. 
So when I went for that, I didn't become a you know international billionaire guy. <laughs> it didn't happen, but I made a pretty cool life for myself, and I and I and I love this life. I'm I'm enjoying what I do, uh, so it was super worth it. I'd love, Aaron, to talk for you to talk a little bit about relationships, especially in today's day and age of um, what I call fast food relationships. It's just mm. like gone are the days, I guess, from our older generation, parents' generation, everybody else, where you, you met one person, maybe two people, whatever. Like nowadays, you meet one person, two people, probably every hour, right? Yeah. And then you're questioning whether or not the person you're with has any value towards you. Or I guess you start putting a price tag on relationships which is yeah. just completely, I'm confused completely when I speak to people in their 20s and I speak mm -hmm. to people in their 30s. I'm completely confused about relationships from their perspective. Yeah, it's hard, I feel like, in our day and age. We have way too much choice. There's way too much available to us way too quickly. Like There's just way too much out there uh, that's dampening our ability to be, um, like, to, to stick it through, you know, to actually be there and get through the hard times because we're like, well, someone else swipe 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 opportunity everywhere it's just like that with you know uber eats or something where it's just there's so much yeah you know everything there's so much choice so i, I think we really need to be uh, a, a just wiser in who we choose to be with like you know hire a lot slower and get to know people and not jump into things so fast but also be appreciative and know what you want so like knowing what you really want before jumping into stuff, like knowing what you really, just like those guiding principles, you know, knowing what you want in life, those same principles is what you want in a relationship. And, you know, my highest values is like, I need good banter in a relationship. Like I, I want someone I can joke around with. Like I want, I want to be able to be funny with my partner. You know, that that's like so important to have that connection where you're like good friends and you know when all the good looks and you know wild sex when you're in your it fades out when you're way older can you still be best friends and have a great life together that's something i really realize now at, at 35 that i did not think about in my mid-20s and um and it really shifted for me being in some relationships that i felt like uh what do we talk about when we're not having sex or when we're just like you know hanging out i was like this is kind of boring. You know, we're not having deep conversations. And, and that's, that was important, right? Is it, yeah. can you go deep? And that, that depth comes with having, you know, aligned values and aligned interests. And like, actually we, we align in so many of these areas that we would just hang out. We would be friends, whether we were um, platonic or in a relationship, like will we actually be cool? And that's something that really landed for me. And, and that was important values, like values and and for me, of course, banter. <laughs> Can we just I mess around? I, you know? I, yeah, I've always said communication. I'm just like, yeah, I yeah, do not yeah. care about anything else but communication. It just makes so, so much sense. Because when everything's good, it's great, whatever. But when everything's bad, mm -hmm. then you need to communicate. But I find the common thread when I start speaking to younger people and they're dating, they'll always go into a relationship and it, that it, it doesn't last. And then all of a sudden yeah. they get into another relationship, but it doesn't last. And then they keep on going to another relationship, but it doesn't last. And I keep on looking at them going do you think maybe it's not the person, but you, maybe there's something wrong with you because it seems like everybody's going into these relationships and they're the problem and not the person. And I'm like, well, start looking at a mirror and start paying attention to maybe it might be you and your values and how you see things. It might not be these people. You might be just dismissing people that are actually really important in your life. And you just threw them away as if it was nothing. That's today's relationship, which is mm -hmm. unfortunate because now you're just like, you don't have the greatest idea of a connection with somebody. Yeah. You're missing that. Yeah. Like, why not look at that instead of just trying to get a piece? 
you know what yeah. I mean? For, for intimacy, right? So that's why I just want to get your thoughts on that. And it, it kind of got me towards mindset because I know you talk a lot about mindset and it's just like, how do we get people to focus on their visions? Like, how do they, how do they propel and see the future and go, I have this possibility in me to do this, to accomplish this. We've all yeah. seen this through history where we've seen such human beings kind of achieve certain things. And once someone does it, several others accomplish it. But it's not yeah. until someone does it that they do. So how do we stay focused on our mindset and achieve these visions that are constantly rattling in our head? Yeah, yeah. It's so important, right? I think firstly, we got to know if we really want it. And sometimes that's difficult if not. And that comes down to, again, what do you feel when you think about it? Like, do you feel, are we in touch with our feelings? And manifestation, you know, actually thinking and building and putting bringing something to you um, is based off your your emotions, your feeling. Do you really want this? Do you feel it fully? Okay, I want this thing. And then the next step is, okay, are you going to be focused enough to get it? So it's like, you know, practical and you know you need to be a bit metaphysical here like will you bring this into your into your field by having the right energy or the right the right mindset the right uh, interaction with the world around you but then are you yeah are you going to be focused and practical and organized and so much of that is people just have trouble um cutting out the noise and distractions and that's so more so much more prevalent in today's world that we have so much you know instant messaging all these social media channels there's always some big event or sporting event or there's always some crazy thing on the news there's always just there's so much out there and the people that i find really are successful anytime i've ever built a project i've built a business i have to be laser focused on it and i have to say no to so many other things and i have to say yes to just this thing and i have to really make it simple for me to succeed i got add like really bad and i need to focus on one thing yeah. um, and, and I need to do that thing. Otherwise I'm not going to get it done. I'm going to do a bunch of things kind of. And I think a lot of people have these issues. And so it'd be firstly pick a direction. Like, do you really want this? Are you going to be into this when things are hard? Are you going to get out of bed when it's snowing outside? Are you going to go do this thing? Are you going to love it? Okay, good. Is it worth it for you? Is it going to align to your values, your mission? It, can you see yourself doing this you know, later on? It, is it going to feel good for you? Are you going to provide for your family or your people around you? Are you going to enjoy your place in the tribe when, when you have this thing? Is the status going to be worth it for you? It is a factor. Is this going to make you happy and fulfilling? Okay, great. Next, what's what do you need to know and who do you need to know? So I get real practical here. This is a, a process I, I lead people through to actually launch a project. So what do you need to know? What knowledge are you missing to be that person, to have that project, to be that person? Like, what do you need to know? List it all out. List all the things that you're missing knowledge-wise. Great. Because later we're going to come back to that and find the resources for that. Then who do you need to know? No one's self-made. We all have connections, ideas. We we got a little you know piece of gold from some podcast, whatever it is. Like who, who do you need to know that's going to give you this information or give you the connection or get you to that place? Is it a mentor? Is it a coach? Is it, you know, the link at this, you know, uh, opportunity? Like, what do you, who do you need? And you list it all out. So now we're just making lists and getting real practical. I need these people. Maybe it's just, you need a supportive friend, you know, or, or, or you need to find your wife. Great. List it. Great. Okay. And then we're going to start getting real practical. Then who do you, what do you need to know to get that wife? Well, you probably need some, maybe emotional intelligence. Maybe yeah. it's some of these things like okay. listing these things out clearly. And then we get into deadlines and deliverables. So now can you time block the time to study what you need to know and maybe time block finding the people who you need to know or develop and nurture the connections of the people you need to know. So then you're just being practical of what you're putting into your life. So then it's not 
Thursday night, I spent four hours watching the hockey game and then some movie or something. It's like, well, no, look at that time you just wasted where you could have been nurturing that connection or listening to this thing. So we're getting way more clear on saying no to what you shouldn't be saying, you know, shouldn't be doing saying yes to things that align to your vision and then step by step. So every week, allocate time to get your stuff done to get to if you're if you're going on a side hustle you're in trades right now and then you're like well i got weekends so okay can you plan out this time and time block it to do the things that align to the vision and then start following your own plan the more you can get organized to support yourself the more you gain that power of being self-sufficient and then you're like wow i'm a leader for myself and then you can lead for others now is that applicable to doesn't matter how small or how big of a task because i find that most people will only apply that to large tasks, large life-changing goals. When technically speaking, you could probably just do it for the the simplest things in the world that's going on in your life. You want to build an Ikea shelf. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Tackle it the same way. Same exact thing. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same exact thing. (laughs) I'd I'd love to know, Aaron, what do you look for in tattoo artists? Um, What's your attitude. first go-to attitude, eh? Just attitude? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For like employees or you mean... Uh, I guess for I mean, an artist, for yourself, like, but also for an employee. Like, I mean, like, what yeah. are you looking for when you're looking for an artist? Uh, of course, skill. Like, of course. Like, are they are they skilled? Are, have they put... You can tell when someone's put a lot of energy into their craft and they're skilled. They, they really are honing in on their level of skill. This would be like with any employees or just anybody in life. Are they good at what they do? And usually if they're really good at what they do, it, they have these skills around it, like a good attitude because they've practiced, they put energy into it. Um, they, they, they've they honed in on it. They've studied their craft. They've carved out their own niche. They don't copy other people. They really are doing something specific and unique and they're good at doing them specifically and uniquely. That's important. But of course, attitude, and that's with employees or I'm um, getting tattooed from someone, because if you're getting tattooed from someone with a shitty attitude, that energy is going to be in you. <laughs> like they're going to be putting that into your skin. So having someone that aligns to your values and that has a good, has good energy about them. That's important. It's not just about the money for them. They love what they do. That's important. You know, you want that, that passion and artistry and professionalism. That's important. Like those things really matter across the board whether i'm employing them or i want to tattoo from them i was just curious myself uh just uh but i i'd love for you to just we're getting close to the end here but i just love for you to share a little bit of um i guess the way i want to phrase this is health wise and you can Mm -hmm. incorporate mental health into this as well and what is it that the majority of people are doing wrong and what are they doing right when it comes to Mm -hmm. health i think consistency is the number one thing and uh, i can just speak for myself my own health journey I need structure. Like uh, I did 75 hard and I've, I got super healthy from that. I loved it. You know about the 75 yeah, hard program? Yeah, yeah Andy. Yeah, awesome. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I did phase one. I'm waiting between phase one and phase two right now. And I'm in that, you know, you have to take that mandatory 30 days off. And I'm like, man, I miss being on. I ate cinnamon buns <laughs> last night. On pers- <laughs> He's doing it on purpose, man. No, no. I yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. It's hard. It's the hard part. That consistency and structure is so important. And and then having like somebody to do it with, like community. And what works for me is fitness community. I always work better when I was in the, the kickboxing gym and I had my camaraderie around me. Or I have a personal trainer. I love hanging out with him. I get to go see him. And then we'll hang out on the weekends and make steaks or something like I need connection in my life and I need fitness to be aligned to those values. And so 
I want to be doing it with people. I'm not good super. I'm not good unsupervised. I'm going to be like writing content. I'm going to be like, you know, messing around <laughs> with the gym. I need to be supervised. I have ADD. I just need that. Right. Um, and so for me, it's definitely that consistency structure. Uh, I have a goal to set or I'm doing a program like that. That helps me be accountable for myself. And so I think that's really important. Um, and then what people don't, you know, don't do well is, yeah, of course, not not being consistent and also eating in ways that's not good for their body style. You know, it's there's so many fitness fat tra- trends and, you know, diet trends and this and that. And I think if it works for your body and you really have to be in tuned with how you feel when you eat things. And I know I just feel better when I'm eating a high protein diet and veggies. I don't do well if I'm, if I'm eating sugars and flours and, you know, stuff like that. It it, it affects my body and I need to be in tune because so much of us, so many of us will just eat something and forget why we don't feel good. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I feel a bit heavy. I'll just drink a coffee. You know, like there's, there's this thing that we get into busy loop, especially when I was working in trades. Cause you're just busy and you're like, well, $5 pizza and you just eat what's available and quick yeah. and easy and then just deal with not feeling good after. Um, so what I really learned was eating and nourishing yourself in a way to perform. So I'm fueling my body in a way to feel good rather than just satiating myself or, or eating out of convenience. It's like, am I going to feel good after I do this? And so like your, what for your, why I'm going to eat this meal to feel nourished. That's going to change what you're going to eat. It's going to change how you think about things. So having a bit more um, intention in what we do for our fitness and health practice, that was like, Oh, that was a game changer for me. That that helped me actually. And that's like in anything in life. If we're able to bring some conscious awareness into what we do, we're intentional about what we're doing and we're not just running on autopilot and just doing a bunch of things because we're busy. Um, that was a game changer. I'm like, okay, why am I doing this? Slow down for a second. Like, what, what's your what's your point here, buddy? Like, what's your what for? I'm like, well, I want to be fit. <laughs> I don't want to be jacked. No, so there's more for? than that. There's a lot more than that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I love the I love the idea that you brought up the community thing because that's exactly what's happening with this show is that you're getting complete strangers text messaging each other and talking and they're sharing they're opening it up which is great it's fantastic and I'm hearing that and the latest that I'm hearing from these people is that if one person is having a bad day and they just kind of text the other person the other person was like listen wherever you are drop give me 20 pound uh, push-ups right now give me 20 push-ups huh? right now just do it it's just change your mindset just change it yeah you're having a shit moment you're having a shit day you're having a shit opportunity whatever it is right and you're texting someone to kind of help you out and give you some words of wisdom and i love that they're saying drop and give me 20 push-ups love it it. and i'm like it's only going to benefit you that's all it is so it's like it's i think it's just like that yeah you're right you got to stay consistent you got to just move forward you got to realize that little gains are big gains in the end like you got to realize all these little things right and it, it kind of makes me like I, i'm getting to my last few that I'm, i want to ask you is that for you what is it like your purpose what does it mean to you versus what a lot of people think about their purpose in life because everybody's always chasing that shit you never when we we're kids our purpose was to just not get as many cuts and bruises as possible and possibly survive whatever craziness that we came up with. But as we get older, we start questioning our purpose. And then I think it's like, we miss the opportunity of being a childlike person anymore. And I think that if people started paying attention to what they did, that gave them pleasure as children without hurting other individuals, you know, without a joke aside attached to it. But I think people just lose the idea of what purpose means to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Of course, you know, and it's it gets thrown around so much and anybody can have purpose. Like if you're a stay at home mom, your purpose is to be a great mom. Yes. Like it's, it's what's Very your mission? Yes. What, what, what are you doing? If you're an amazing you know, carpenter and your purpose is to build people homes that they're going to feel build their like have their families in like your your purpose is to hold space for families to grow. Like what's your what's your higher vision? And it's not in every nail that you hammer in is going to feel different. Right. It, it, it's it, what are you doing it for? And so mine was give, connect, inspire. Of course, I, I want to be doing what I'm doing to help other people, but also in a way that is like it's making a bigger impact than what I was doing before. And I just want to be useful. So my purpose is just to be someone who's very useful, um, that, that I'm able to be making this life worth it. That's that's it. I don't want to leave anything on the plate. I want to be doing, I want to live a big full life. And, and that's like the purpose is to really live this life, like really do it, do all the experiences I can do and help as many people as I can help. So then when I'm old, I'm at the end of the end of the road there. And I'm like, you did it. Like you did, you really did it. You did all you could, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's no regrets. And it's not an overnight thing either, right? Like it took a while for you to actually figure that out and it's going to take you much longer to actually achieve it. Two, yeah, di- two different timelines, right? I want to ask you about um, being away from Vancouver for so long, and I don't want to get too political, but uh, by all means, you can if you want. I mean, what is, I mean, coming back to Vancouver and see what the Vancouver has become. Man. With, with the amount of drugs and like all kinds of Dude, shit that's going crazy. on. It's bad. It's crazy. It's really, it's really wild. bad. Yeah. I, I was I was building. I'll tell you a short story around that. I was I was building Karma our Lotus House here, and I was you know I was doing the electrical, so we're saving us some money. So I'm wiring in all the lights, uh, eighteen hour days, six days in a row, just trying to save us cash and get us going. And um, you know I'm still on painkillers from my accident. Yeah, you know, metal in most of my body. So it's interesting to have another relationship with opiates again. But now I'm at a place in my life they're very controlled. I'm doing them just to you know working with my body while I'm on ladders and I'm, it's painful. So okay. I'm back at that stage and it's been interesting to another thing, come back to Vancouver and have painkillers back in the mix. Very interesting uh, to come back, but seeing it from a completely different cycle, I'm like, wow, I have a healthy relationship with this now. It's okay. But at that time uh, I I was at Shoppers Drug Mart. I'm I'm getting my painkillers and I'm in Cole Harbor, nice, nice area where my apartment was. And this drug addict was getting into a fight with a security guard. And he was just like, you've assaulted me. You've assaulted me. And the guy was stealing. And the security guard's like, dude, you were stealing. Just leave. Mm-hmm. And the guy is like, call the cops. Call the cops. He's like, if I call the cops, you were stealing. Just leave. He's like, you assaulted me. Call the cops. He's freaking out. Right. And I'm at the end of my day. I just worked like the whole day with my hands. I'm dirty. I'm exhausted. I'm angry. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just tired. I, yeah, I know, yeah. no, no uh, bandwidth for this. Right. And then the manager comes, she's a sweet, you know, kind of grandma, white lady. And she's like, sir, can you please be quiet? Like, please, can you calm down? He's like, shut up, you bitch. Like something like that. And it set me off. I was like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. And I turned and I said, you need to shut the fuck up. You fucking crackhead and get the fuck out of here. And I, I snapped. <laughs> And I'm supposed to be a life coach, dude. Like I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not supposed to be saying this shit, right? Like I'm, I snapped and and it wasn't good. He's like, you think I'm a crackhead? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what you are. Get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, I'm so angry. The whole store, all the shoppers, drug marts looking at this happening right now. Like it's a, it's a kind of moment. And he's like, you know what, you know what I think you are? I'm like, what? I'm, I'm like in it. And he's like, uh. Uh, and I'm like, that's what the fuck I thought. Get out of here. <laughs> such a bad, it's not skillful, right? Not skillful moment. And as I'm leaving, he turns at me and he goes, you know what you are? You're a trust fund kid off your daddy's money. And, and I, I have my head tattooed, bro. <laughs> like, what? That's how I know you're high. But also 
um, it struck me for a moment and I'm like, damn, this guy didn't have good parents. Like clearly what that statement said to me gave me so much information about him. And it's like, you just think, cause I somewhat have my shit together that I had a cushy life with, with, you know, with a silver spoon in my mouth, which yeah. couldn't be from the case. But I understood that so many of these drug addicts and so many of these people that are here have had deeply traumatized lives, deeply traumatized. They've had horrible circumstances they've grown up in. And the system isn't taking care of people the way it should. And it's also too soft in a lot of ways. There's a lot of violent crimes happening. And I didn't think I'd be so Clint Eastwood about this when I got back to Vancouver and I'm like, get off my lawn. Like, I just want, I just want people to get a fucking job and pay taxes. I was so like angry about it because I'm the one I'm working with multiple jobs and I work hard. Uh, I don't think we should be giving free rides for people who just want to sit around and do drugs all day. But on the other end of it, they've had horrible lives like they've had a really tough time so i was asking one of my friends i i donate to his charity kids play foundation um he's a police officer he's, he's a you know high-ranking cop i never thought i'd be friends with cops um and yeah, me and working with him helping yeah. with his charity and i was like cal uh his name's cal desange i'm like cal i did something bad like i i yelled at a, at a drug addict i called him a crackhead in front of a lot of people like it wasn't it wasn't really a good thing that i did he's like yeah well you're trying to protect this lady fair enough um i'm like what should i do he's like well you can't help these guys they're too far gone, um, but you can help the kids. So focus on helping prevent the problem for it happening further, help these children be a, be a role model, bring community together for these kids, be a positive impact, tell them, you know, be an entrepreneur, show them the way that's what you can do. And I was like, okay, so what we can do with all these, this crazy situation is we just need to be better humans in the sense of leading and bringing people together. And I always say this now, and I'm like, we just need normal, good people getting together and having community and saying no to this being okay. Like, I don't want to walk down the street and seeing people smoke heroin. Like, that's not okay. Like in front of kids and all this, like, it's not okay for me. Um, We need enough community together to like state that that's not okay. And I think we're just too soft as a society and that we're just giving too many rights to, to people that are just weighing down the system and not enough support. So it's like, get clean. Here's the, here's, here's how you can get clean. Here's, here's the, uh, resources for that. Maybe maybe we be a little bit smarter with our spending, and maybe Justin Trudeau isn't taking Learjet jets for quarter million dollars everywhere we go. You know, just like maybe he can not be him. I'm and not so- disagreeing with you, Aaron. I'm not <laughs> disagreeing with you. Trust me, I'm not. I, That's how you get shadow banned. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I love the point that you brought up about getting yeah. to the kids first, right before they become yeah. this, right? It's just yeah, yeah. but the, there are you're right. There are a lot of factors that are at play. We don't know exactly what's going on with their lives, what hand they've been dealt. We don't know exactly what's going on. But now you've got a government that's just basically assisting them to get worse is basically well, exactly. what's happening, this which is a shame. Now, there used to be um, uh, a mental hospital that completely got cut in the funding from it. And then all those people ended up on the streets on Hastings. And like, that's how this thing kind of, from what I understand, I don't know everything, right? But we cut massive support to a society that we created. Like a lot of them are indigenous too. And they didn't get the, they got a really bad end of the stick on this one. And there's not support to help them be empowered. Um, we're just keeping the cycle going and it's just like, cool, legalize all drugs. 
And you're like, well, I don't know if that's actually like the, not the, the that's solution. not, I don't think that's the right call here. I don't think people should have access to meth, but yeah. I just don't think that's like the thing. Like that's weed. Amazing. Okay. But like people just to be able to do meth on the street in front of kids, it's just, what have we done? Like uh, that part made me sick. So that made me want to be a community um, member to help. Like as soon as I got back, I was like, I gotta do something about this. And I was actually getting my friends to vote. And we were like, let's go vote. Let's try to make a change. Like actually, cause we can't just, that was the other thing why I called my, one of my mentors, Cal, when the, that, that shoppers drug mart situation happened, I was like, I can't just bitch about the problem and not do anything. I can't just, you know, driving down the street and be like, get out of my way, you fucking crackhead. Like, I can't do that. I need to be somebody who's just do something. And then you can bitch about the problem. But you can't just be angry about the situation. And you're not doing anything to help. That was that was what kind of gears turned in my it head. It makes a lot of sense, Aaron. Like, yeah, totally. And it's good that you're doing that. But there is a bigger problem at hand here. So, yeah, no, no, I, I didn't want to get too much into it because we're running out of time here and I appreciate it. So I want to get to the, the last 10 questions here of construction. Okay. Uh, Aaron Bai is here. Ink, pray, love. You can get him on his website, which is uh, dot com. And from the website, you can get to all everywhere. IG, particularly, ink underscore pray underscore love. And then his YouTube channel as well. You ready for these questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. What everyday sound brings you joy? What everyday sound brings me joy? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I would say the sound that brings me joy. Hmm. That's a tough one. Probably going to be when I inhale and I can just feel an inhale. Just like if I take a conscious breath and I can take a second to myself. Silence. <laughs> What's your favorite beverage? At the moment, eggnog. It's not good. Eggnog, really? <laughs> I love, I love eggnog. <laughs> what's, what's your least favorite tool? It's not necessarily construction related. Just least favorite tool. Oh man! Well, what I remember I didn't like was the when I did plumbing the snake where I'd have to like unclog a toilet. That big the snake coming like, back. The snake coming yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wondering what oh, it's coming oh. back with. Yeah. Um, yeah. What turns you on creatively? Uh. I would say when I see when I'm doing client sessions and I'm helping people like shift a business or launch a business and we're on the roll and we have that like re reciprocal creative energy and they're like, oh, that's a good idea. And then we build on it. So that exciting creative energy that you got, you're onto something like that, that lights me up. What word or concept do you find overused these days? Ooh. What are all the cool kids saying that you're fucking kind of inclusivity? <laughs> It, oh yeah that's a good one <laughs> come on that's a so good much. one that's a good it's one that's yeah, overused what's your favorite curse word oh it could be in any language i'm sure that you probably pick some up in bali i mean because I, I was in yeah there's lots of good ones in bali but i hung out with so many aussies and so many british people while i was out there and then they're just like this cunt over here yep. this and it's just like it's a good word <laughs> i agree <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle in the entire world anything any mode of transportation Ooh, I think, oh, that's, that's difficult. Any mode of transportation. I mean, we've had people say uh, space shuttle, so it could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. I would say the favorite mode of transportation would, I don't know. I've, I've always wanted to be in like, um, I like like a Bentley continental GT, like a luxury sports vehicle. What do you miss from your childhood? Mm. The, the pizza days at school. Those are always fun. 
Oh yeah, I remember those. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was such a massive event, huh? Yeah, those that big that in Christmas, like it was just that big. It was huge. I know. Yeah, if, uh, Christmas if, was good. If you could master a skill outside of your own expertise, what would it be? Mm. I would, I would say it would probably be like stock trading or something like that. <laughs> Get into the game. Last yeah. question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Hmm. This is going to be way better than what you expected. <laughs> nice. I like that. Aaron, thanks so much for being on the show and taking the time. Really appreciate having the conversation with you, man, honestly. And everybody that's curious, they should reach out to you. And just uh, I know on your website, you've got a, just an introductory form that you kind of fill out to kind of get yeah, a, yeah. A, an idea of who you are, right? And uh, Or the people that are looking into getting into it. But uh, I definitely encourage everybody to come and check you out. Thank you. Also, Instagram, if they want to just message me. Yeah, easier, DMs I respond and stuff, yeah. All cool. my DMs, I respond to all of them. Happy no, to totally, I know. That was great, so yeah. I appreciate it. Don't go anywhere just yet. Um, okay, Angelina, we're out of here.